Hello, welcome to this episode of the Joyful Health Show, where I get to interview Laura Acuna. She is a speaker, author, Bible teacher, podcast host, and coach. She shares her story of struggling with weight as a teenager, her breakthrough with God since then, and how to live aligned in the middle of diet culture, because it's a struggle for all of us. Please be aware that she shares numbers related to her journey, which may be triggering. So please use discernment and whether to listen or not. So living aligned, it's strengthening yourself in the Lord and his promises so that you can withstand corrupt systems like diet culture, which says you need to earn your way to peace through a thinner body. That's not what the gospel says. So Aligned is the title of my new seven-session devotional guide. It's a path for you to live in alignment with what you know and learn how to let the rest go, returning to God's perfect peace in an anxious world. Each week of the devotional guide has four days of devotionals and experiential journaling prompts with one reflection day per week to make it doable. My hope is that it will help you understand where you're feeling tense with uncertainty and how you can stand upon the gospel that God gives us in Christ. We also have created a video series with playlists of printable printable resources, video teachings with transcripts on topics like how to talk to your body with muscle testing, um, a chiropractor's view on how to determine physical versus emotional blocks in your body, how to discern what health habits we can let go of, and God's idea of perfection, how that contrasts with all or nothing thinking. You can use these videos for your personal study, or you can watch them with a group to facilitate discussion around how you can get aligned in body, soul, and spirit when you feel discouraged in your health and not sure which way to go. So I'm also hosting a live book club inside the video series on Mondays at 1.30 p.m. starting on April 3rd, and it's not too late to join. Get the book and sign up at joyfulhealth.co slash aligned, and we will be meeting for the next um, seven weeks. So Go ahead and get in there and join us on Mondays at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Let a friend know. I know we're always more successful when we um, when we get in with something with a friend. We have that community together. We get to learn together and encourage one another. So I hope this episode encourages you. All right, on to the episode. Welcome to the Joyful Health Show. I'm Aubrey, registered dietitian. And I'm Casey, a personal trainer. And together, we're here to help you discover joyful health by grace. Hi, Joyful Health friends. Today, we get to interview Heather Creekmore um, about aligning our body image with how God sees us. Um, we are talking about this today because this comes from um, specifically from a podcast listener who asks for answers to common myths about body image and how to reframe that dysfunctional thinking 
when we are living in this world surrounded by certain body ideals? And how can we come back to the peace that God promises in his presence? How can we see ourselves as God sees us and connect with him? Um, So Heather, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. Uh, It's so good to be with you, Casey. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Okay. So I just love Heather's work. And if you're not familiar with her, um, she is an author and fellow podcaster. So check out her podcast. Um, We will put all of those links to in the show notes. But Heather, she writes and speaks hope to the women's struggle with body image and comparison. She's been featured on dozens of shows and podcasts, but is best recognized from her appearance on the Netflix show, Nailed it. (laughs) Heather and her fighter pilot turned pastor husband, Eric, have four children and live in Austin. Okay, so Heather, I kind of consider you the body image expert. (laughs) Um, We have done several podcasts and resources on this. We we have a resource called uh, the Body Blessings Course, but I really want to hear from you specifically. I know you work with a lot of women in this area as well. how tell us about a little bit about your background, your story. How has God drawn you away from the distractions of that dysfunctional thinking about your body and how is he aligning you with his thoughts about you and your body? Yeah, well, so for me to hear you call me the body image expert is almost laughable <laughs> as I think about my story because body image is something I started struggling with around the 3rd grade. And my struggle lasted well into my mid 30s. And so to even be categorized as some sort of expert on this now is really funny to me and really a testament to the reality that God can take us from Mm -hmm. the depths of despair in this Mm -hmm. area to a place of freedom. And that's my story. So Casey, I think like most little girls, I, um, heard the whisper that something was wrong with my body. Mm. Um, For me specifically, I heard the whisper that my legs were too big. And so in elementary school, I started comparing the size of my legs to the size of the legs of other little girls around me. And I decided they were too big. And so Mm. by middle school, I was dieting. By high school, I was doing a quote unquote special kind of diet where I would Mm. see how long I could go without eating. Mm. And what would happen is because I was really a busy high school student, I could make it most of the day, just distract myself from eating. And then I would get home at five and I would eat everything I could, right? Because my body was hungry, Mm -hmm. (laughs) needed fuel. And, you know, then I would eat dinner normally with my parents. They never knew anything was wrong. They Mm. never knew the better. And I would go to bed, Casey, feeling like I had done something wrong. Like Mm. I had really messed up by eating. Um, By college, I lost my period for about nine months, my sophomore year of college. Now, this was in the 90s, so there was only two categories of eating disorders that were recognized then. There was Mm -hmm. bulimia, and I couldn't purge, although I tried. Um, And I felt a little shame around the fact that I wasn't able to do that. And Mm -hmm. then I I wasn't anorexic, at least technically, because I wasn't underweight. My weight Mm. was always fluctuating, especially as I got to college. I gained well more than the freshman 15 and then would go home over break and and fast for long periods of time to try to lose it. My eating was really disordered. 
And yet I didn't know I had a problem because my end goal, my motivation was I needed to change my body. Mm. And it didn't matter what the scale said. It was never enough. It didn't matter what size I wore. It was never enough. And so by the time I hit my early 20s out of college, I decided that maybe the way to be free would be to get into fitness. And so I became a fitness instructor, believing that those people who worked at gyms and were really fit, they didn't struggle with body image issues, or so Mm. I thought. But I distinctly remember standing in front of my first kickboxing class. I'm in my late 20s at this point. I had a whole other career, Casey, in politics, marketing. I had a master's degree in public policy. I did other things. But what was most important to me was to prove myself in this arena because Mm. my body image struggle was so significant. And I'm standing in front of that kickboxing class and I just remember feeling devastated, like, wait, this hasn't worked. I still feel like that woman in the front row has a better body than me. That woman in the second row has a better, better legs than I do. It was, it was right back to those elementary school girl thoughts. It hadn't worked. And so then I decided, well, maybe the problem was I wasn't married and I didn't meet my husband until I was 30. We got married at 31. But again, Casey, I'm 31 years old, uh, wake up the morning after our wedding. And I remember looking in that mirror thinking, this didn't fix it either. I still feel the same. And in fact, in some ways, I'd say marriage made my body image issues even worse because I so fully expected my husband to be able to kind of settle my heart in that arena, right? Like Mm -hmm. once I have him, well, then why would I care? Like, you know, as long as he thinks I'm beautiful, why do I care what anyone else thinks? But instead, the opposite kind of happened. I started comparing myself with all the women he would see anywhere, everywhere, (laughs) all the time. I mean, I was doing the ridiculous like, you know, oh, let's turn the channel during commercials so you don't (laughs) see the girls in the beer ads. And, you know, those kind of things just really feeling threatened by every other woman out there as if if he saw someone else, he would realize that I wasn't as beautiful as maybe he thought I was. And maybe I would not be good enough for him anymore. And maybe that would affect our marriage. And then I got pregnant. And I got pregnant pretty early um, in our marriage. So um, so that, you know, added a whole bunch of hormones and other things <laughs> to the mix around mm. that. But Casey, I really did believe that becoming a mom would fix my body image issues because I believed that I would have something more important to do and to think about than worrying and obsessing over my body and my size. I kind of thought, well, you know, once you're a mom, then it's it's okay to let some of those things go. And and quite honestly, like getting pregnant was my first opportunity to not diet or feel like I needed to diet since about age nine. Mm. So I had decades of dieting <laughs> in, and it was all of a sudden a free-for-all, like, yay, I shouldn't diet, I'm pregnant. And, and so there was freedom there, but then there was also bondage, right? Because getting on that scale at the doctor's office for every <laughs> prenatal visit kind of felt like going to Weight Watchers with my mom in middle mm. school and getting on the scale just to like see how I was doing. Yeah. Um, it, it was trauma triggered in every way and being pregnant and then eventually becoming a mom didn't fix my body image issues either. And so at that point, Casey, you know, now I had been walking with the Lord for a long time, 
Um, I became a Christian before I could tie my shoes. <laughs> I, I went to, ch- I grew up in church. I went to Christian schools. I went to Christian college. I went to Christian graduate school. I knew I was fearfully and wonderfully made. I knew that God looked at my heart. I knew I was knit together in my mother's womb. Like I knew it all. And none of it seemed to touch these very real body image issues that I was struggling with. And so it wasn't until I was in my mid-30s, Casey, that God really interrupted me with this concept that even having been in church all my life, I had never really processed. And this concept was idolatry. And my mm. husband was listening to a sermon. He was preparing to go into the ministry, listening to a sermon, blaring it through our house because we didn't have AirPods back then. And I'm listening to Dr. Tim Keller talk about modern day idols. And I was cleaning our kitchen and I felt like God just kind of whispered to me, not audibly, but whispered to my spirit, like, Heather, this is your problem. You've made your body image an idol. And Casey, that changed the course of my life. Um, Not only did that set me on the path to freedom in terms of like just escaping this obsession and this constant struggle that I had had since age nine, but of course it changed my career path (laughs) as well. And I mean, I, I wanted to write a book someday. I did not want to write about body image because no one wants to talk about that stuff. I'm like, I don't want to share that stuff with the world. And now that's what I've been doing for almost 10 years is talking about my body image issues. So God has a sense of humor. (laughs) But, but yeah, so that that's my story, the journey I've been on. I would love to say that um, I prayed a prayer and asked for forgiveness and, you know, confessed and repented of that idol. And the next day I didn't care what I weighed anymore. But that would not be true at all. I mean, it's been a journey and, mm-hmm. and it is really a daily practice of saying, okay, what am I going to believe? Mm-hmm. Am I going to believe the truth or am I going to believe the lies? Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's, you know, all been part of it. Um, but yeah, so that, that's, that's where I'm coming from. Yes, there is so much there. And I love that the Lord has taken you down this path and journey and that we've intersected as well in this, because there is, there's so much in your story. A lot of it, like you, you just said at the end, because I wrote that word down a few times, I believed this was going to fix it. I believed this was going to fix it. And then I believed this was going to fix it. And then this thing, and they disappointed me every single time. And so you, the Lord is able to reveal to you the root of all of that. And that, you know, it's like, it's kind of crazy because I've just been reading through, um, these Old Testament books like Exodus, when God gives those 10 commandments and they're pretty explicit. Don't make any other gods before me. Number one, number two, um, don't, or don't worship any other gods other than me. And number two, don't make an idol. And so, yeah, like we, we don't think about that in our modern day context. It's very sneaky and deceptive nowadays. I'm like, well, I don't have a statue in my house. So, but we do have images. We still have lots of images that we mm-hmm. worship with our time, like our attention. You know, mm-hmm. there it is the attention economy with the internet and social media. And so it's just like the enemy twists these things. And so we're like, it's harder to see. But when God opens your eyes to it, it's like, oh, I've been yeah. deceived. And also, um, you know, but like now I can. 
I can follow him and I can let, and I can slowly release these things. And so becoming aligned, part of that is getting to let go um, of what (laughs) those, getting to let go of some of those lies and then getting to live what you do know to be true and to be good and to be worthy of worship. And so um, you talked about, I believe these things. And so um, a lot of what it seems that diet culture and, and marketing that's selling a certain shape of body um, promises certain results or guarantees certain things. What can you talk about for um, like in your own journey and in the women that you coach, um, how are we kind of deceived by some of these false empty promises and how can a man not actually live up to guaranteeing those things? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the way I like to illustrate this is with The Biggest Loser, Mm. that television show that was on TV for a long time, right? But the concept, if you've never seen The Biggest Loser, is a person in a large body, a a body that is of the size where they're not able to leave their home, drive in a car, you know, play with their kids. They're not able to move in this size of body. And so this person is invited to The Biggest Loser Ranch. And, And actually, let me back up just a second. This, this person is in what we see, at least the way the video is produced, right? We see that they are in a sort of hell, right? Mm-hmm. They, they are a before picture <laughs> and before is hell. And then they go to the, the Biggest Loser Ranch and they meet their personal trainers. And if you've ever seen the show, the personal trainers, you know, they're very strict with them in terms of food and exercise, but they're also digging into emotional issues and they kind of pretend they're their psychologist or their counselor as well, mm-hmm. right? It always does go deeper, which we know is true, right? But these people are there to transform the contestants to take them out of hell and transform them and take them to a place where at the end of the biggest loser season they are wearing you know cute clothes and running marathons which is the american dream for too many women right and that's heaven and so what we see sold by diet culture sold by shows like the biggest loser sold by any before and after picture is really a salvation story Right. You go from hell, you meet a savior and you have a transformation. And at the end of it, you get heaven. And that's what I believed from diet culture. Right. That's what I believed would happen to me if I could just become an after story. Like I remember like so I'm a little older, but they used to do um on like the Today Show or those morning shows, they would like pick people out of the crowd, like outside their studios in New York City. And they would bring them in and they would do like a makeover on them. And, you know, and you would see the before and after picture. And I used to always think like, oh, if I could just go and get like picked out of that crowd. And if I could just have a professional make me over, then like maybe I would like the way I looked, right? And, and you know, and that's in addition to struggling with like weight and size and shape and tone and all those things. But mm-hmm. it, The thing about the idol, Casey, is it is never enough, Mm -hmm. right? An idol is a false God who makes promises to us that it will satisfy us, but it will never satisfy us because Jesus kind of reserves that for himself. But then beyond that, right, it 
it keeps us on this treadmill. And so what I've noticed, like in my own story and the women I work with, right, I have a lot of women that come to me because they have actually made it to their goal weight. Mm. They have accomplished that fitness accomplishment. They've competed CrossFit or whatever it is, that accomplishment that they thought, kind of like me, if I could just be a kickboxing instructor, then I would feel great about my body. And they've come to that point and they've realized that the obsession, that the thoughts, that the frustration didn't stop. Instead of hearing like we crave to hear from Jesus, well done, my good and faithful servant, you don't hear that from an idol. The idol doesn't say, well done, congratulations for meeting your goal weight. The idol says, oh, well, wouldn't you feel better if you lost a couple more pounds? I mean, this, mm. this feels okay, but you know, maybe if you got that surgery, oh, that, then you'd feel really good. Oh, it's, it's a shame you still have like this flab and you know, this, this area doesn't look like that magazine cover still. If you could just fix all that, then you'd be there. And it's never enough. And I have so much empathy for those celebrities, especially the older celebrities who keep going back and getting more and more plastic surgery and to where everyone looking at them is like, oh, I don't even know. Is that her anymore? Like she doesn't look the same. Like, oh, how can she think that looks good? But I know what she's listening to. Yeah. I know that that idol has told her just one more tuck, <laughs> one more, mm. one more surgery, and then you'll like the way you look again. And it's never enough the idols never satisfied yeah and that's it makes me angry because I can see from you know my own life and even telling your story it's like oh if I could only get this and so you can't ever enjoy what you have because you're always like well once I get this and xyz and I think you know a lot of us can hear that of like oh I, I kind of know that or I know I'm fearfully and wonderfully made like that kind of head knowledge but um but if you can't be satisfied with God here and now, <laughs> you know, like that grace that he gives today um, and let tomorrow worry about itself, then what else are, how else are we going to be satisfied? What else are we going, going to hope in? Um, so you talked about what, what is she listening to? And you started your story too, as when you said you're a little girl, you heard those whispers of, oh, I need to change my body. And so oftentimes those are whispers. And so how can we start to identify what are those whispers that are deceiving us and drawing us away from God and into these false, empty, hollow promises? And then what is the, what is the voice of God as far as like, what are the promises that can fulfill and can satisfy here and now? Can you... Maybe talk about like, what is it, um, what are some of the feelings or like, how can we notice those whispers and I say, oh, those are, those are not from the Lord. Um, and then aligning us, aligning our listening ears <laughs> with, with the whisper and the voice of God. Yeah. So when I work with clients, one of the first things we do is we do a listen for the lies exercise. Mm. And let me tell you, it's really difficult for most because the lies have become so familiar that it's hard to recognize them as lies. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think that's the way the enemy works, right? Like he doesn't tell us something preposterous. 
right? Like, uh, you know, the sky is purple and cats are going to rain from it today. Like you would be like, well, that's, that's stupid. I'm not going to believe that. But he tells us something that is maybe 10 to 20% true and Mm. 80% lie. And then because we're so responsible, (laughs) I'm saying that lightly, but because we're so responsible, we're like, but there is a little truth in there. I should be aware. Maybe the whole thing is true. And we accept the whole, the whole thing. Right. Mm. And, And so I think it is important for us to recognize that when the enemy whispers to us, it is condemnation, which mm-hmm. is different than the Holy Spirit's conviction. Those are two different things I've, I've done. <laughs> My book that's coming out next November, I write about that, but I've done podcast episodes on it. And so what does condemnation sound like? Well, condemnation is never exhorting in an encouraging way, right? Mm-hmm. Condemnation is always like shame inducing, right? Like, oh, now I feel shame. Now I feel embarrassed. Now I feel like I should hide, right? Mm -hmm. And so as we try to listen for lies, I think it's easier to start like kind of listening for or paying attention to those times in our lives when we start to feel a little bit of shame, Mm-hmm. Right. Like that, for me, shame can sometimes I'm like feel a pitted feeling in my stomach. Right. Or I feel like I really want to go run and hide right now. So no one sees me. Right. Those are those are feelings that accompany shame. And then I have to stop and say, okay, why do I feel that way right now? Well, I feel that shame because I just like heard in my head. Oh, Heather, you're the fattest woman in this room. And it's like, okay, what is true? Well, it might be true. I might actually Mm -hmm. weigh more than every other person in that room at that point. So then I've got to go beyond that. Like, but, but does that matter? Does anyone else know or care, right? Like, why am I coming into this room thinking about me, thinking about what size I am, what I weigh? Like, how is that helpful? And then the truth beyond that, Casey, right, is that... God's not looking at that, right? Like my my responsibility as I walk into this room as a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, my responsibility is not to walk into that room as the thinnest person there. Like there's no Bible verse that says, thou shalt be thinnest, so thou shalt mm. be holiest, right? Like that's not there, right? It's like my responsibility in that room is to love God and to love others well. And so walking into that room, worrying about whether or not like how I compare to everyone else, weight or size wise is really shirking my responsibility as a believer Mm -hmm. to walk Mm -hmm. into that room and look around and say, how can I love these women well? And you know what I've started to notice, Casey, as that has shifted, as I've recognized that lie and been able to like uproot the lie and kind of answer back with the truth of scripture, right? And in, in this scenario specifically, I've noticed that, you know, people actually don't care what you look like as much as we think they do, but people do care how you treat them. And people want to be with someone who is warm and loving and kind and exhibits the fruit of the spirit. Mm -hmm. But I could be the hottest woman in that room and not do those things and not have any friends. 
and feel all the rejection that the lie tells me I'm going to feel because of my weight or size. The rejection doesn't come because of my weight or size. (laughs) The rejection comes because of my self-focus. Yeah. Right, because of my vanity or because because of my self obsession, and so yeah, I don't know if I clearly answered your question there or not. I kind of went to an example, but but yeah, listening for the lies and then speaking the truth back to them. Yeah, no, examples are sometimes the best way for us to wrap our heads around these uh, big concepts, and that is you know because a lot of times we don't question the thoughts in our head; we just think them, and then we we take them as truth and we move on right. instead of okay, how can we capture those thoughts? That is work. <laughs> um, is. That, that takes mental work. It's, it's not easy to stop your thought process. Um, it's not easy to be still and know that he is God, <laughs> um, which, is, which is part of God growing us. And so you talked about condemnation. You, you talked about the different feelings of like, uh, do I feel embarrassed? And those sensations of like, do I feel a pit in my stomach, a lump in my throat? What is that? maybe feel like in my body, can I name some of those things? Do I feel like I want to hide? Do I feel like I, I don't, I can't pray? Um, that's, that's a big indicator. Um, a, a lot of people talk about that too, of like, I just, I just couldn't pray at this time in my life because of X, Y, Z, because of these things that you think that you should be doing that. Well, it's actually, well, has God actually told you to do that? Like you were saying. Um, and so being able to say, well, what do I not know in the situation? And what do I know? Okay. What, what we know is what God has told us to be true. And we can test his words and they prove to be true. They don't ring hollow. They are like, you, you also use the word matter. Like, does that matter? And I think of like the physical matter <laughs> of like God's truth is weighty. His glory is weighty and it is um, solid and it is a firm foundation for us to stand on that Jesus is the rock of our salvation. Like all these words um, indicate like, uh, like taking up space and, and creation, you know, and, and that's like the, the huge like gift of our bodies is like, wow, we are like God created what is visible out of what is invisible. I wasn't here a hundred years ago. That blows my mind. <laughs> Can I think about that for a second instead? Um, and then also what what do I know as far as what does he call me to do and how can I walk in that? Um, how can I love that person across the room? And then we notice like what is that shift that you notice in your body image once you're able, once you do that, once you go and do what God says, do you notice that change as well? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because you're not thinking about yourself so much anymore, right? <laughs> but like, I, I, let me, can I take this like to a, just a slightly different level? I, yeah. I tend to think things way deep, <laughs> but, yep. but just, Love just to go to, there. so I, the way I like to say it is you don't have to believe everything you think. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's mm-hmm. that's the distinction. Right. You can you can think the thoughts, but you don't have to believe them. But for most of the clients I work with, Casey, what it comes down to is this decision. Am I going to believe my own thoughts about myself? Am I going to esteem my own thoughts about myself as the most important thoughts? Or am I going to believe what God says? Mm-hmm. And it's it, it sounds so simple, right? Like we can give lip service to, well, of course, I'm going to believe what God says, right? But, oh, it's so hard. It is so 
difficult. And, mm-hmm. and a great example of this, Casey, is I work with married women a lot who have husbands that are telling them that they're beautiful. And they're saying in response, no, ooh, oh, don't, yeah. no, I'm not. Like, oh, yeah. maybe, maybe in 10 pounds that'll be true, right? Yeah. And so we have a similar conversation. Like, okay, it, does your husband's opinion matter? Yeah. Like, is he allowed to have an opinion? Is he allowed to determine what he likes and what he doesn't like? Is he able <laughs> to assess that he finds you beautiful and for that to be true? Mm-hmm. And, and so even in that scenario, what I'm working with the women to discover is you can't elevate your opinion of yourself over your husband's opinion of yourself and tell him, tell him he's a liar. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's kind of what it boils down to. Like, oh, I hear what you're saying and maybe... I don't know. You don't believe that's true because I don't believe that's true. Mm -hmm. And I think we kind of do the same thing with God, right? Like God says all these things that are true about us. And yet we kind of want to hold on to our own truth. And there's a lot in this culture surrounding that concept, right? Like my truth, your truth. And I think as believing women, we can see that in maybe some more extreme examples and be like, well, of of course, that's ridiculous having your truth and your truth. You know, of course, that doesn't make any sense. Like that's, that's not truth. But yet, Casey, in this area, are we not doing the same thing? Mm-hmm. When I say my truth, my body is not the size it should be. My body, you know, should look different. When I say that is my truth and that doesn't align with God's truth, am I not doing the exact same thing, holding on to my truth over absolute truth? Yep. So, yikes. But <laughs> Yeah, helpful. and those are the things that were like, "Oh, no, I I think I think I am doing that." <laughs> I can I can think of a very specific conversation where it was it wasn't even about body image, but I can take it there as well because of my with my husband of like, well, I feel like you're just being mean and he's and he's saying to me, No, this is this is what I meant by that. And I just can't believe him in that moment because I'm so hurt. Mm. <laughs> and so um a lot of that is defense mechanism of trying to protect and preserve myself. Whereas like, okay, if I knew that God loves me and protects me, if I knew that there was a spiritual armor that he, he's tells me to put on the breastplate of righteousness, I'm right only I'm right in his eyes. Um, I'm saved and that can, you know, protect my, my mind and my thoughts. Um, then I can also love that person too, because I can be loved by God. And so I am freed up to believe that person, what they're saying. And we've been talking about belief a lot. And so I feel like this is a big theme in this conversation. So I was like, what is the like Webster's definition of belief? And it's to accept something as true, to feel sure of the truth of it. And so I think of also like that tangible, how do we, how are we sure that the ground is going to hold us up under our feet? We don't think about that very often, but like when I say, feel the ground underneath your feet, if you have your feet on the ground right now, you are bringing that awareness of, oh, oh yeah, the ground is solid. I don't have a second thought about it. I've tested it throughout my whole life over years and years and years. I've walked on the ground. It's proved to be true. It's proved to hold me up. 
you know, and we, we get to test those, those rocks that are a little, um, a little shaky and we know not to step on those, (laughs) but, um, but when it comes to the truth of God and aligning ourselves and stepping on those, those solid stepping stones of the rock of our salvation, Heather, what are some of like the truths of how he sees us? And then how can we align ourselves with his truth. You've already kind of talked about that of being able to believe God. Um, do you have a, a scripture in mind that you'd like to share of what is this truth? What is this promise? Yeah. So, well, I've got a couple of thoughts here. And the, the first one is that, you know, I think we have to be really careful to, and, and I kind of help my, my women kind of like dig into like where, where did this truth of, you know, a woman should look like this, a woman should be this size, or in order to be beautiful, you have to fit this description. Like, where did this truth come from? Because Mm -hmm. like, let's just be honest, like that is a truth many women struggling with body image hold very closely. And and a lot of times it came from our families of origin, right? Like we grew up like watching mom adhere to this truth. You know, idols are generational, Mm. Right. Like if you were grew up in a Hindu culture, you would like worship the same Hindu idols that your parents and your grandparents worshiped. Guess what? This body image idol is also generational. And so there's a chance that this definition of beauty that you grew up with, this ideal has been passed down from your grandmother to your mother and to you. And in your family, there's a very real chance that this has become as much of a religion, even if you grew up in a Christian home, that Mm. this has become as much of a religion as any faith you were practicing, right? Mm. So just understanding the reality that this isn't just like a fly-by-night belief, like this is a deeply held truth for most of us who struggle with body image. Like I cannot be beautiful in less fill in the blank here. And so just to acknowledge that, like this isn't, this isn't light, but, but then, so what does scripture say? I, I think that's where the hard work comes in, where you are really comparing, like, what does God ask from me in order to be beautiful? Mm. Right. What does God require? I like to use the illustration of it's like I have the book of Heather. And in the book of Heather, there's like, well, in order for Heather to be acceptable or beautiful or, you know, approved of, like Heather has to do, you know, this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing. And every day I kind of compare myself to the book of Heather. Did Heather meet her own expectations for the day? And I know it's weird to talk about myself in the third person, but, <laughs> but I feel like it helps the illustration a little bit, right? Yeah. But it's like, okay, did Heather meet Heather's expectations? And I have to picture Jesus standing beside me saying, oh, Heather, like, why the book? Like, I already have one. Mm. (laughs) My expectations are not nearly as cruel and unrealistic and burdensome as your expectations are. Can you lay it down and just rely on what I've asked of you? And and what he's asking of me is not to meet a certain weight Mm -hmm. or to look a certain way, right? And then, and then, so to kind of tie this all up, you know, I used to be really bothered by this scripture that said that my body was the temple of the Holy Spirit. Mm. 
because I believe that in church, I heard it twisted too much into being like the verse to justify dieting or constant body improvement. Mm -hmm. I feel like part of my body image struggles were connected to that. Well, if my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, then I need to make sure I look good so that Jesus looks good. The pressure is on me to lose weight or or look a certain way so that I'll make God look good. Now, 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 saying that sounds a little ridiculous. (laughs) right? Like, how can I make God look good, right? But but in in that is the glory confusion, right? Mm -hmm. It's as if I believed if I could have some glory for myself, then that would bring God more glory. But that's not how God gets glory. And so... What I've been studying recently as I've been finishing um, my next book is just this concept that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, but maybe what's most important about that verse is to recognize that God cares how his temple is constructed, how his temple was constructed. Let me use past tense verb on that, right? Mm -hmm. So if we look at 1 Kings chapter 6... It's the passage that if you're reading through the Bible in a year, you're kind of like, oh, this is Yonsville. Like, how many cubits are the logs? Like, really? Like, I need to know this. Like, okay, whatever. But there's so much detail there. God put specific instructions on how his temple was to be built. And so if our bodies are God's temple... Why should we not believe that he had specific instructions as to how we should be made as well? Mm. We were knit together in our mother's wombs. Knitting is not a haphazard craft. Mm. It's not like pasting pieces of paper together, right? Knitting is very precise. I do not knit at all. I'm not crafty, (laughs) but my mother-in-law knits and I have seen her, you know, knit for a while. And then I see her go undo a bunch of stuff because if you get it wrong, you have to take it all out to start over again to make it right. Knitting is precise. And so I think a scripture that could help us all today is, is to remember, yes, we are the te- our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But what that means for us is that he made us on purpose and for a purpose. Mm-hmm. We're not happy accidents like Bob Ross's artwork, right? We, we were made with intentionality. And so if my body doesn't look the way I want it to look, first, I have to question whose truth I'm believing, mm-hmm. right? But then second, I have to stop and face the reality that if God made me on purpose for a purpose, like why am I ignoring the clues about how my body was made and what I was designed for? And instead, you know, it, it would kind of be like me wanting to play for the NBA, right? Like, and I'm not going to say women's NBA, like me just deciding, like, I want to play for the NBA. I've got this ideal. I'm going to play for the NBA. Okay. I'm like five, five. I am horrible at basketball. Okay. But, but like I could hold on to that ideal, but at some, at some point it's ridiculous, right? It's like, no, Heather, that's not how your body was made. (laughs) You were not Mm. constructed for that purpose. And I think for too many of us, we get hung up on this ideal. I want to be like this. I want this to be my purpose. I'm like, wait, no, 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 no. Look at your body. And that will be clues as to the purpose for which you were made. And mm-hmm. there's so much freedom in that, Casey. Yes. Yeah. I um, love being able to dig into 
um, some of our, our body ratios of like, okay, I'm short. And that means that I have a lower center of gravity. Um, I'm naturally good at kickboxing and weightlifting and skating, like things that are, or like pound class, I can reach the ground easier. And those things are naturally fun for me. And I didn't notice that until kind of looking into some of those different ways that their body's made of like, oh yeah, I've always loved these kinds of activities. And I haven't loved some other activities because, oh, my body actually wasn't really made for that movement. It doesn't exclude me from trying it out and um, getting to experience the joy of um, humility. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Some of those, <laughs> joy um, of humility. You know, <laughs> and be like, wow, I wasn't really made for this, but that person was, and that's pretty great. Um, <laughs> but, and all of it being like the joy of humility as in, oh, it doesn't matter if I mess up here or if or if I am like, if the world thinks that this body is better than that one, because God made me, like you said, in a very precise, intentional, carefully crafted, loving way. And I, and also, yeah, I've been in the Old Testament too, and and being able to look at the the temple of it being like, God wants to dwell with his people. Her body is a place for him to dwell with us not based on your own works. It is grace. It is a gift of God. And so having to put ourselves aside is hard, but it's also so beautiful. And like you said, so freeing. So Heather, what can you give us for a final takeaway? Um, if, if someone can just listen to this and like, I don't remember anything else, but what can you give them that they can take this one thing away from this episode? Yeah. I think it's don't believe everything you think. Mm-hmm. Right. Don't be afraid to challenge your thoughts. And maybe it, quite simply, Casey, it might be just challenging your thoughts against that principle we just talked about, mm-hmm. that you were made on purpose for a purpose. Right. Mm-hmm. So if the thought comes, you're to whatever, fill in the blank, to just answer it back with you're made on purpose for a purpose by God yeah. who loves you and sees yeah. you and knows you and wants good for you. Yeah. Amen to that. Um, thank you so much for this conversation. I I just, I love connecting with you and I know that, um, I'm just so grateful that God loves connecting with you and, (laughs) and that we has made the body of Christ too, um, you know, so that we can enjoy him together. Um, and so Heather, where can others find you connect with you? Would you like to share more about your next book or what's something that you would love to be able to share with about what God's been teaching you and body image? Yeah, all the things are on compared to who.me. You can find my podcast. I've got two books. One is my body image story. The other one is a book about comparison, which has some body image stuff in it too, but it's really a deep dive into grace and how grace cures comparison, which mm. might sound strange, but um, nope. but I believe <laughs> yeah. it was the cure for me. I have a body image workbook coming out, um, but not till November. So a little, mm. little time for that. I also have version plans, reading plans that are free if you want to just start by reading there. Uh, that's available, but all the info is on my website compared to who.me. Wonderful. Okay. Thank you so much. And can you leave us with a prayer? Yeah, absolutely. I'd be glad to. Thank you. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for every woman listening, no matter whether her struggle has been for most of her life or is a recent thing that she's been battling, God. 
I just pray that she today will hear a message of hope, that she will recognize that her answer isn't in the next plan of any sort, but that her answer can only be found in you, that you alone are able to satisfy in a way that no body change ever could. God, I pray freedom for my sister who's listening today. God, I pray that she will feel courage to just be who you made her to be and that she will feel encouraged knowing that she is seen, known, and loved just as she is right now today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Um, And friends, until next time, may you rest in His grace and follow the joy. Hey, thanks so much for listening. A very special thank you to all our podcast guests, along with Dwayne Goldbeck for podcast editing and Maddox Schuler for writing and recording our podcast music. 